Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. I am going to be reading my essay today about ways to change your life beyond just talking about it. And this is um, the follow up to my essay from last week about how talk therapy stopped working for me. So here we go. I've been reading the most interesting book lately. Last week, I promised that I would share a few resources and experiences that helped me in my growth outside of therapy, and that rely more on soul and body work, a more holistic, integral approach. And I will. And thanks to the many of you who wrote in sharing your own experiences in moving past talk therapy, I plan to compile those stories soon to share in a link. To any of you who may have been hurt or offended by my thoughts on talk therapy, I see you too. Perhaps I should have included a disclaimer in my essay that talk therapy can help heal when it is used as a part of a toolkit of modalities. Alone, however, I believe it cannot do what this country and its citizens need and deserve. That's where this book I can't stop recommending comes in that speaks to this time we are in right now. My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Rezma Menachem. The book builds itself as the first self-discovery book to examine white body supremacy in America from the perspective of trauma and body-centered psychology. It explores how black bodies, white bodies, and importantly, bodies of police officers have been brutalized by white supremacy and trauma, and how the key to healing these traumas is found in our spiritual, physical, and energetic bodies. This is not to absolve white people, police officers, or white supremacy of the horrors and murders they have inflicted. But as Menachem explores in an episode of the podcast On Being, laws, languages, trainings, they have clearly gotten us nowhere. Again, like talk therapy, intellect, logic, policies, these are an important part of moving forward, but they've been overemphasized. Trauma of all sorts lies in our nervous systems and our emotional bodies. And this work of healing trauma, healing racialized trauma, healing emotional trauma is critical to dismantling white supremacy and police brutality, as well as our own personal healing work. That's what my resources will speak to. And I've broken them out in a blog post because it's long, though I will read it on this podcast. I hope you find one or more of these modalities useful. This is not an exhaustive list, but it is one I have developed that helps me and my clients deal with the most common issues I see today. Anxiety, emotional overwhelm, which can show up as shutting down, lashing out, or anywhere in between, and working to change beliefs about yourself and others that are holding you back. Next week, I'll share the story of two somatic experiences I had that I believe were pivotal in helping me heal shame and low self-worth. They're freaking trippy, so get ready. So now, healing resources. Let's begin. Here are fav- excuse me. Here are several of my favorite resources and tools broken into three sections. Section one: to try if you have anxiety. Section two: to try if you have emotional overwhelm, which can look like lashing out, getting triggered, getting super defensive, shutting down completely, or anywhere in between. And section three. How to stop believing things that no longer serve you so you can create a life you want. I should say, though I've grouped them into those three areas, any tool from any section is going to help you. They are all lovely modalities. 
geared towards addressing the physical body, the emotional body, and the subconscious mind. And they can all certainly help no matter what you are dealing with. Just pick out one that jumps out to you as a starting point, try it, and dip in and out of these approaches. Right now, I'm heavy into hip yoga, breath work, and conscious breathing. But previously, I've been into hypnosis, inner child work, work, and others. These tools are meant to be used over our lifetime, and different tools will be needed at different times. Don't try to do everything at once. Trust that you will know what you're called to do when it's time. So first, if you're struggling with anxiety, try conscious breathing. If you were to pick any practice off of this list and make it a daily habit, I would advise this one. Conscious breathing is the first thing I assign to my clients and I do it myself daily and it's made the biggest impact on my anxiety out of almost anything I've tried. Conscious breathing is merely aware, controlled breathing. It helps anxiety because it helps tone the vagus nerve, which is a cranial nerve from the brainstem, the brainstem to the colon that carries sensory information and is critical in regulating the nervous system. And it sends um, messages to your nervous system that all is under control. There are lots of different kinds of conscious breathing, but I practice alternate nostril breathing and four, seven, eight breathing daily. And if you go to my Instagram at Katherine Andrews, I have a video explaining both of them there. Try alternate nostril breathing for three to five minutes a day. It's crucial to make this a regular practice, not just something you do when your anxiety is heightened, though that will help some. Yoga. Noda, you might be saying. Well, specifically, I recommend hip and hamstring opening yoga videos. My favorite is one from Sarah Beth Yoga, and it's linked in the post. We carry anxiety and fear and other heavy emotions in our hips, and our hips are often so tight from sitting all day that those emotions are never able to release. Yoga that focuses on hips and hamstrings will settle your anxiety and fear that is stuck in your hips. And of course, any kind of regular yoga practice is generally excellent for anxiety and mental health. Another yoga pose I often ask my clients to do a few times a week nightly if they're struggling with anxiety is legs up the wall before bed. Sound baths. The practice of sound bathing, as the name suggests, is the practice of being deeply immersed in sounds and vibrations, usually that come from crystal or metal bowls. You lie down, the practitioner plays the bowls for 30 to 60 minutes, and you come out of it refreshed and grounded. It's just relaxing, and there's also science behind why it may work. This article states, there's speculation that certain sounds, in particular, binaural beats created by playing two different sound frequencies at the same time, may actually shift brain activity into beneficial brainwave states. Just as sounds oscillate at different frequencies, which are measured in hertz, so too does the brain's electrical activity. And there's evidence that listening to specific binaural tones may adjust the brain's electrical activity in ways that reduce anxiety and pain while promoting memory and attention improvements. So of course, sound baths are normally held in person, but there are tons of virtual sound baths going on now that you can attend. I recommend Googling your local yoga studio to see if they're hosting any. Before COVID, I was attending sound baths at a place in DC called Recharge, and they now offer some online too. Micronutrients and diet. There is emerging evidence that particular deficiencies in vitamins and minerals play a much bigger role than we thought in anxiety and depression, insomnia too, and lots of other issues. 
In particular, B12, magnesium, and vitamin D are important to include include in your diet and via supplementation, especially if you struggle with anxiety and mental health issues. Check with a doctor, a naturopath, or a nutritionist to see if you may have a deficiency in any of these areas and supplement accordingly. Baths with Epsom salts and magnesium spray. Baths are just wonderfully calming as they are, but when you add Epsom salts and magnesium into them, they will truly work to help settle your body and nervous system. This strategy will particularly help with sleep too, especially if you use magnesium spray on the bottom of your feet before bed. Earthing. Earthing is merely the practice of sitting your butt in dirt, grass, dirt, sand, whatever, or walking barefoot on those surfaces. Anything that gets you back into and connected to nature is going to lessen your anxiety, but there's also more to it. Dr. Andrew Wheel writes, Earthing, also called grounding, stems from the idea that in modern city life, we no longer have direct physical contact with the earth and therefore are losing out on purported health benefits of exchanging electrons at the surface of our planet. A handful of small studies have found that grounding appears to provide some general health benefits such as better sleep, less pain, reduced stress and tension, and better immune function compared to study participants who weren't grounded. Okay, section two. Sorry, needed a cup of tea. If you are struggling with emotional overwhelm, so I think of emotional overwhelm as an outsized emotional reaction to a situation that you feel is out of your conscious control. This might look like angry outbursts, emotional shutdowns, or anything in between that can be placed in this category. When we're feeling emotional overwhelm, generally I find that we are actually out of touch with our emotions, that we grew up in a household that did not permit healthy expression of emotions, and that we are operating from an emotionally wounded place. The tools below should help you get back in touch with these emotions so you can more easily balance and regulate them and spend less time in outbursts or shutdowns. Inner child work. Inner child work was for me groundbreaking and one of the most impactful tools that helped me come to wholeness within myself. The inner child includes what a person learned as a child before puberty, and it's often conceived as a semi-independent sub-personality subordinate to the waking conscious mind. If you are often reacting from a wounded, outlashing place, that's your inner child. When you can meet them where they are, greet them, tend to them, and bring them back into the light of your consciousness, you can begin to become more accepting of yourself and your emotions. We most often meet our inner children in guided meditations, and I have an inner child meditation and journal prompt series you can access, and this will be in the blog post and newsletter of the Sunday Soother. Breathwork. This is a different kind of breathwork than the conscious breathing I recommend above or that you might expect. Generally, it is 20 to 60 minutes of sustained rhythmic breathing techniques. So I'm just going to, because this is audio and I can, it's like kind of really hard to explain. The pattern is like you breathe, you're breathing in through your mouth and you breathe in belly, chest, exhale through mouth. So it's And you do that for sometimes an hour. So it can actually be quite physically uncomfortable at first. And it causes lots of sensations like tingling, cramping. My hands always cramp up. But the afterglow is like nothing I've ever experienced. I'm a huge proponent, proponent, obviously, that emotions live in the body. And all I can tell you about breathwork is that the experience of doing it is like contracting all of those tough emotions into one tight little ball, then releasing it like fairy dust into the air. And they're gone. 
If you feel ready to start, I link to a 15 minute breathwork meditation that comes with great instructions in the blog post. Emotional processing or cognitive behavioral therapy. I find that when emotional overwhelm comes up, it can actually be useful to engage the logical thinking mind to talk us back off the ledge and question our thoughts and what we're experiencing. I suggest two strategies here. First, in the blog post, I have a link to my framework for emotional processing step-by-step. Second, in the blog post, I link to a worksheet on a distorted type of thinking called filtering, which is when you only see and assume bad things. Doing this worksheet is useful for getting out of our heads and trying to look more objectively at our reactions so we can better understand the emotions that may have been driving them. Finally, the section where if you're struggling with goal setting, achieving things that are important to you, or negative thinking and self-pity, try the following. Future self-journaling. This is a simple journaling practice that takes about 10 minutes a day created by Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist on Instagram. You may be at the point in your development where you are aware of a habit or belief that is not serving you, but you don't know exactly how to change it. Her journaling practice, which I link in the blog post, will help you rewire the thought pattern into a new one. I used this for a month with massive results around an abandonment wound I had in relationships. My thought or belief was, I'm always going to be left for somebody else. Using this worksheet for 30 days as advised, I was able to begin to believe I could have a healthy, sustained, long-term relationship. It seems almost too simple to work, but it does, especially if you commit to it daily for 30 days. Hypnosis. I struggled very badly with racing negative thoughts. In desperation, I turned to a sleep and hypnosis track on YouTube for negative thinking that's linked in the blog post that somebody on Instagram had recommended. And within a few days of listening to it, I could tell a difference. I was thinking more neutral or positive thoughts instead of going down a spiral. Try it out. The guy I linked to has lots of other tracks too for anxiety, sleep, and other stuff. Embodiment. Man, I could geek out about embodiment forever. Here's the deal. When we want to change, we try to do it through our logical mind and sheer willpower. But when you bring your body into the equation, it paves the way for change so much more smoothly. Let's say you want to be more confident. You may try to trick your mind into doing lots of things to speak more confidently or to believe you're more confidently or kind of fake it till you make it. But try using your body instead. How would a confident person walk, dress, gesture? Would they dance? How? Dance is a wonderful embodiment practice for anything. Want to feel more feminine? Find some dance tracks and dance daily in a way that feels feminine to you. I love this definition of embodiment. Embodiment isn't about quieting the thoughts in the head and noticing the sensations of the body from there. It's about bringing the abstract intelligence of the head into relationship with the body's intelligence. So simply consider your goal or the change you want to make in your life then try out body or dance movements you would associate with that state of being. So that's it. These are just a starting point. The world of healing is wide and vast. There are numerous kinds of therapies, body-based healing approaches, books, and so much more. I encourage you to simply use this list as a starting point and takes what serves you and leave the rest as you go on your own personal discovery process. Good luck. And for those listening, I will have the link to the blog post with all of the resources and links I mentioned in the show notes. Have a beautiful day.